Welcome back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and this week I'm joined by my friend, Derek Freimeyer, owner of Drop6, as we have a discussion around, I mean, honestly, just around gear. And we get into some of the specifics, like really get into some of the specifics, because one of the things that I think plagues so many of us in the industry and in the community, in the 2A space is, you know, where do I spend my money? How do I spend it? But then the specifics behind that, like what makes the most sense with so much information out there and, and so many, you know, uh, different, I'll say influencers or personalities all out there giving their input, giving their feedback. Some of it very, very genuine. Uh, some of it is bought and paid for, you know, it's hard to for sure understand that all of the information that you're getting, uh, is, is what it is, you know, um, and being able to sort that out and understand why some gear may be better suited for certain um, applications and other gear may not, you know, uh, a lot of us, this is a hobby, you know, this is not something that work pays for. This is not something that we have an overabundance of income to, to throw at this as we have to juggle things like, you know, responsibilities towards our homes and our families and, you know, paying for a vacation or, you know, hot water tank or things when, when stuff goes out and goes bad. So, uh, Derek and I kind of get into a whole bunch. Uh, it's going to be a pretty cool discussion. I think you guys are really, really going to dig it. And it's probably going to illuminate several areas, several things that you guys either have questions about, or maybe just didn't, didn't know previously. So we're going to get into all kinds of good stuff before I get over to my conversation with Derek. As always, we are a sponsored podcast. We need to say thank you to our sponsors, our partners that make what we do here possible by supporting the prepared mindset. Big, big thank you, first off, to Midwest Gunworks. Guys, check out MidwestGunworks.com. You need parts, you need components, you're looking to swap something out, upgrade something. That is what they do best. Components, pieces, especially for your AR platform rifles, whether it's a barrel, uh, you know, a, a, a slim upper, or sorry, stripped upper or lower, uh, bull carrier groups, they got all kinds of stuff, spare parts, buffers and springs. You know, I picked up an H2 and a braided uh, Geisley uh, spring setup for one of my wife's uh, rifles. They got all kinds of stuff going on for you. Set up discount code prepared mindset for 5% off your order. Guys, go pick up some magazines, lights, optics. Uh, the folks there at Midwest will take great care of you. They've been in business since 1997. They're not going anywhere. If the site says they have it in stock, you guys, it's in stock. It's going to be shipped out. You're going to have it. it they're going to take great care of you. Again, whether it's you know uppers, lowers, full firearms, buy something straight off the shelf, you're trying to get your wife into shooting, trying to get uh, your kids their first 22, head on over to Midwest Gunworks. Again, discount code, Prepared Mindset is going to save you 5% off your order at MidwestGunworks.com. Head on over, check it out, pick up some gear, and support the mindset. Thank you as well to the team at 100 Concepts. Guys, we just had Jonah on talking about all the great stuff that 100 Concepts is doing. If you guys haven't heard that episode, I really, really think you should check it out. There's a lot of great things going on, and you can tell just the way Jonah talked about it. He's very, very passionate about what they're doing here, and they're really having a very positive impact on the community. Head on over to 100concepts.com, pick up some of the scope caps and light caps that Jonah and I talk about. You can pick up some of their pack scrim, 
helmet scrim to help with your 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 physical uh, camouflage needs. They have the Cloud Defensive Rain 3.0 lights in stock. I grabbed one of those, and my God, that thing is brighter than the freaking sun. Uh, they got chem light kits and, and refill kits and repair kits and things like that. All kinds of really, really good stuff going on over at 100 Concepts, guys. Their, their company motto is do good, be dangerous, live free. And they put that into everything that they do, whether it's product testing, product development, interacting with the community. Just, you know, Garrett, Pierce, and Jonah, some absolutely just studs. Go support them. Head on over to 100concepts.com. Thank you as well to uh, LARP Labs. Guys, you want to paint your rifle? It's badass. It looks great. Sometimes, though, we're a little bit concerned about how it's going to affect our optics, our lights, our laser modules. Some of these companies can get kind of, you know, finicky around their warranty. So instead of painting, you can check out LARPLabs.com and pick up some of their computer-cut 3M vinyl wraps. Got them in all kinds of colors, different camouflage patterns that can suit your biome and your environmental needs. And this isn't just a sticker. It's not something that's going to peel. It's not going to come off after a couple of weeks with tough use. Guys, this is the same kind of stuff they do decal work with for competitive rock crawlers and things like that that is given and rated for a three-year outdoor life. Head on over to LARPLabs.com, use discount code PREPAREDMINDSET, save you 10% off the order whether you're picking something up for your, your handheld life, uh, light, I'm sorry, like the MCH from, from Cloud Defensive, uh, weapon lights, optics, lasers, they even have wraps for your PVS-14. All kinds of good stuff going on, and there's always new things being added. Stuff for Sun, stuff for Aimpoint, Vortex Optics. Head on over to the website. Again, it's LARPLabs.com, discount code prepared mindsets can save you 10% off. Go see what they got cooking. Let John take care of you today. Last but not least, thank you to Active Carry. Guys, go get your freaking medical supplies. I cannot tell you how upsetting it is every time I look around on the gram and see guys running and gunning on the range and they don't have any medical on their kit. You know, strapping a tourniquet to your stock, strapping a tourniquet to your plate carrier is all well and good, but if you don't have a blowout kit, if you don't have an IFAC, that's a big, big problem. Head on over to activecarrytech.com, use discount code PMP10 to save you 10% off when you go pick up the supplies that you need, whether it's their Blazer IFAC kit, their Gamma kit, one of their Breacher Dangler kits, uh, they have the, the Guardian Ankle kit that's an outstanding solution, or you just need to pick up uh, some supplies, some components to build out what you already have. Head to activecarrytech.com, let them hook you up. Again, discount code PMP10 is going to save you 10% off when you go pick up some American-made medical components. They're stocking as many American-made products as possible to make sure they're bringing the best to you for all of your medical needs. Don't be caught without when tragedy strikes. Head on over to activecarrytech.com. Okay, so guys, again, talking with Derek, we're going to answer some of the questions, get into some of the stuff that, that Derek has done. Uh, if you guys follow him, you know, Derek.Freimeyer on Instagram or, you know, his Drop6 account, uh, if you've done, you know, checked out his website and things like that, you know, he does a lot of testing around things like leather and materials like nylon, cordura, elastic, all of these things. And there's a lot that goes into it. If you guys haven't heard the original interview I did with Derek, you know, uh, several months ago, it's very fascinating to hear how Derek got involved, but it's also very enlightening to see how and why, 
you know, his background lends itself so well to what he does and why he really is what I would consider to be an industry expert when we're talking about building things like plate carriers or belts or, or slings or just pouches. I mean, even the things that seem basic, there's a lot that goes into it. So we're going to jump into all kinds of different stuff, talk about all kinds of different gear, and hopefully help save you guys some money on some future purchases. So without any further ado, let's get on over to my discussion with Mr. Derek Freimeyer of Drop6. Derek, welcome back to the pod, man. How are you? Hey, man. Doing pretty good. Yeah. Good. Busy, busy. For, yeah, man. I. Uh, it, it seems from what I see online that you're you're always doing something. Um, so I'm sure time's kind of a uh, tight to to put it lightly, right? Yeah, yeah. I. It's a good problem, I guess. Like I got my hands in a lot of things right now, so in like different avenues of things. So, but uh, it definitely, uh, I'm ready for it to all like come together, and you know, and then I can just sit back and ride it out. Yeah, get that payoff where you get like a day off and don't have to worry about anything. Yeah, yeah. All I right. still try to take at least one day. Usually it's Mondays. Like I'll do orders in the morning, but my wife has Mondays off. So I try to like take Good for Monday you, off. man. Yeah. yeah. And more people need to do that. Seriously. Um, <laughs> but so uh, we were going to get together here and talk about um, and something I know I, I shoot a bunch of goofy questions to you back and forth all the time. Um, but talking, it's a little bit, I guess, of like a, a continuation from the conversation we had the last time you were on. Um, but getting into a little more of the specifics around, uh, just gear, you know, I mean, there's not really a, a pretty way of saying it, but just gear in general. Right. Um, yeah. it's, people spend, a, I mean, a shitload of money on, everything from belts to pouches to plate carriers. And it's like some of these people, uh, the, the amount of stuff they rotate through, right. How often their setup changes. It's, it's actually kind of shocking because I don't think anybody makes money off of those deals. You usually lose. Yeah. Right. Um, so getting into, you know, kind of wanting to get into the specifics if we can, right. Around what makes something like we see the term like quality thrown around, like, Oh, you need to buy a quality plate carrier or a quality belt. And it's like, okay, cool. But does that just mean more expensive? I don't, I really don't think it does. It it usually means a higher price tag, but it doesn't mean the most expensive thing on the market is always going to be the best thing you can get. It could just be that, you know, uh, that company charges a lot. It could be, it could be a bunch of different things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think I would hit first, like with how, how much people rotate kit. So I think there's two things to that. Number one is the vast majority of our market is civilians like you and I, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's our hobby, but turns into a passion. And then we kind of get into the gun or gear culture, but we don't have, I was just talking about this today on uh, my own Instagram. Like we don't have a a mission or task or a purpose. And so if we don't have that, we can't plan for things. So then we have to fantasize about, well, if this happens, then I'll do this and I'll want this equipment. And so then right. we, we super nerd out on like, oh, I'm going to do CQB, you know, and, and obviously <laughs> the, the internet and social media kind of guides the trends, right? Um, you know, there was recce and CQB seems to be the two things and you got to be one or the other right now. Dude, it's on, you so know, social stupid. Media. Yeah. You yeah. have to be built to either sustain yourself for seven days in the woods or yeah. to go take down a building and absolutely nothing in between. It's really yeah. stupid. It's really stupid. It, 
and because of that, you know, you're just, you have time to just sit there and fantasize about all these scenarios and you don't actually have a task or a purpose. So people will just buy like whatever they see marketed on whatever video got them hooked. Right. So mm-hmm. let's say you watch a, like a GBRS video and you, and you're like, man, I want to do that in buildings. And so people try to mimic their kit and there's nothing really wrong with that, but they're doing it out of no experience in the actual trade or the job. And, um, so that, okay. So then you do that and you're like, okay, since you're not doing it in real life, you get kind of bored. You're like, I have everything. Now what do I do? And then it's like, Oh, now it's recce's. And then reconnaissance. I mean, it, it could be you with a cell phone and a newspaper, you know, but of course right. everyone goes the woods scenario because that's, what's cool. You know, being in the woods with a pack for what's two gonna weeks. Give you the light. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, and so, and then you're spending a bunch of money on hiking equipment and, and, and all that. And whoever got you hooked, you, you typically mimic their gear kit. Right. And I mean, we can minimize that by just having standardized, like, yes, you may want to plate care. Yes. You may want actually certified plates, two to three mags on your kit, at least, you know, uh, medical, maybe a radio, if you're going to go the radio route. But other than that, like, it's all task based. So, um, yeah, so, but it's, it's hard not to have all the cool stuff as like each month, something cool comes out, right. We want it, you know, gear wise or equipment. And uh, so we buy it and we think it makes us better instead of just using what we actually already have and modifying it or figuring out exactly what we do need. But again, that falls back on the fantasy world. Like if we don't clear houses for a living, we don't know exactly how our kit needs to be set up. Sure. We can set it up right. to get us through a specific class or a course we take, but that's mm-hmm. not doing it every day, you know? And even that, even the instructors in those classes, they rig their kits up to get students through classes. So they know what they need to carry on their kit to get them through. Cause that's their purpose. Um, so I think that's why you see a lot of the gear swapping and, and constantly building out, and, and let's be honest, it's a lot easier to look at your kit or kit on you and look at yourself in the mirror and go, man, I look fucking cool, you know, <laughs> than it yeah. is to actually go and use it, you know, or have yeah. the opportunity to even go use it. So, well, but, and then, yeah. you know, but it, it opens up the door to, in my mind, like a lot of questions, like you're saying, looking in the mirror and going, <clears throat> do I, re-? you should be anyways asking, do I really need it though? Um, yeah you know, is, is that realistic? You know, one of the reasons that I waited so long personally to get into like the, the, the built out sustainment kit is cause like, I'm, I'm almost an hour away from anything that even resembles sustainment type environment, like woods and, you know, dense vegetation. I'm super suburban where I'm at. So for me, it was, you know, it was always something very different. Um, but then I start looking at things like, do I need a back panel? And guys are like, yeah, it looks sick, man. You look like a freaking operator. I'm like, yeah, cool. I totally need that. And then I think about it. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I don't, I don't need that. Like, I don't, I don't roll with yeah. a team. It's like, it's me and like my wife and my two dogs, you know, not, no one's going to be throwing bangers off my back panel or, <laughs> you know, yeah. picking doors or anything. It just, it, it doesn't necessarily make sense, but that's the kind of stuff we get caught up in is like, oh, you know, buy the back panel, buy the carrier, you know, sell what you have, get the different carrier. And then by the back panel, which 
for some reason usually cost more than the carrier themselves. Maybe not always, yeah. but a lot of instances, you know. Um, and it's just kind of it kind of it's like the snake that eats the tail. Like it just we keep feeding the capitalism machine, which is it's cool because that drives innovation mm-hmm. in the market. But yeah, you know, I think it's kind of it, it is. It's it's really wasteful in a lot of regards. Yeah, yeah, and I would say um, it can be very wasteful. And then with that, like I always try to find someone who may needs need kit, like they don't have any. If I'm going mm-hmm. to retire something or I want to sell it or something, I'll always ask those people first. And then if not, yeah, then I go to like tax swap and I, and I sell it and I use that money to fund the next gear loadout, right? Or the next mm-hmm. build. And that's how I kind of recycle it without just like, uh, I spent all this money. It's going in a closet and sitting forever, you know? Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that's one way you can kind of be less wasteful is maybe get some of your money back to help fund the next project instead of just, starting all over at zero again Um, yeah and i i I think that it's that that's probably the best way to do it considering the amount of uh uh, you know expense that really does go into doing this the right way um if we're talking about buying you know good quality gear because i think we all start off at that place where we have kind of some stuff that we probably shouldn't because it's not very good quality but it's just all we could afford and we just we really want to have you know, all of those bases covered. You want to have all the mag pouches. You want to have the battle belt, you know, and you want to have the plate carrier and you do, you get all of it, but then it's like, well, I have this old gen one condor plate carrier and their gen one battle belt. That's, you know, like six inches wide. And my mag pouches are, you know, probably some weird airsoft brand and stuff. So talking about, you know, really there's, there's more reasons other than just like brand recognition. I think that's why some people do it. Honestly, they just do it because they, they want to be able to tag that company online and it drives, you know, some stuff for them. Uh, but when we're talking about quality gear and again, this is something I think we, we got into a bit when you were on the last time, there's certain companies out there that are using better materials, right. That are going to be more durable and produced in a way it's going to hold up over longer periods of time right or wrong to a point um yes yeah generalizing yes there's there's companies that are going to use actually actual name brand materials and we're you know like cordura that's a name brand you know so that like they'll actually use that instead of a knockoff cordura like some of your chinesium like airsoft stuff see Um, i just assumed cordura was the name of the fabric i didn't realize that was actually a brand (laughs) Yeah, I thought that a, was just like what you called it. No, that's a brand. They actually make a bunch of stuff. Um, the Cordura us in our industry are used to is like your 500, 300 and like thousand mm-hmm. D stuff, you know, uh, that's, and that to be fair, that material is what kind of made them famous. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that was a super fabric back when it came out, you know, nylon blend that's, uh, that has a treatment on the back to kind of help hold all the, the fibers together and stuff. Um, very abrasive resistant. I mean, it was, it was cutting edge when it came out. So, so when you're looking at something like, like, let's say just that, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because 500 D Cordura gets used in like everything. And and we're starting to see certainly some departure from that in some things, but I I would almost say that's still like the experimental phase with how well some of those other fabrics work in certain applications. Uh, But just talking about that, because I know like on your Instagram and stuff, you compare a lot of different fabrics and not necessarily yeah. like, I don't want to say you compare products to say like, Hey, which pouch is better, but like mm-hmm. to look at how they're built and things. Cause that's what you do. Right. From yeah. an island perspective. 
So what, what are the, what's the, the impact of buying something that's made out of like that knockoff Cordura? Like where do they skip corners in that? And that's usually where you get your price savings. Yep. So even in the Cordura realm, um, like your 500 Ds, they're not all the same. Some are DWR treated, some are not, which is a water resistant finish. So the, the companies that usually charge more uh, for, let's say, a Cordura chest rig or something, right? Or PAC. PAC is kind of what Cordura is used for in these days. Um, the DWR treated ones right there is already a jump in material cost. Um, there's no sewing difference as far as equipment, but there is a material cost. So Cordura has the regular good old-fashioned Cordura, and then they have like their DWR treated stuff. Both are solution dyed, which means they dye the fibers before it's woven together. Okay, That's what keeps the color in. Um, so off-brand Cordura, like the, something China is trying to copy, they have different tiers as well. Um, so their lowest tier will be what's called piece dye. So they'll basically just take nylon fibers, um, and do a blend and weave it together into a fabric. And then once the fabric is made, then they dye it. And the problem with that is it can't get in all the nooks and crannies and things like that. And it bleeds out when it gets wet. Um, nylon likes to shrink when it gets wet and stuff, right. wet and then dry. Um, and so they have different levels too. Like China will, will make you whatever you want, depending on how you, what you want to pay. You know, if you want to play, yeah. pay top yeah. tier, they can make really good stuff. I'm not a fan of using China, but there's just some things that they do and are allowed to do because there's like no rules in China for manufacturing, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, it kills people if we make the fabric this way. Oh, well, we'll just hire we'll more just people. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so people go to China for those reasons. They can make things cheap. They can make them as good or as bad as you want. Um, and they can get away with things that aren't legal in those countries. So, um, but yeah. And that's, I think a lot of people get really hung up on that too. You know, like the, the manufactured in China bit and some of it is warranted. Some of it is not like you're saying, like you want to see more business like out there innovating and stuff mm -hmm. and just understand, like sometimes it's just the route you have to go because you can't afford to do it a different way. If you really want to be out there and eventually grow to that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, exa- exactly. I mean, some companies just can't afford to make stuff in the U.S. because their ideas of like, we'll keep it in the gear industry. Um, I, I just did a, the video quality wasn't very good, but I just did a, a review on a mantle top uh, a company named Mantle. Uh, some, think what you will of the owner. Some people like him, some people don't, mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, his his gear is made in China, and I brought that up in the review. And he actually commented on the thing. It was like, "Hey, thanks for not being biased and pointing out the good features and features you didn't like." Um, and then he was like, "Yeah, our goal is to have him made in the U.S., but uh, with all the features that he wanted in, like just the top, it would have made the top, you know, two two hundred dollars or more, most likely." He didn't say a number, but I can guess just on how it was sewn, like sure. two to three hundred bucks for a combat top. Uh, to be made in the U.S. and a lot of it has to do with the quantity uh, he would order slash the sewing, and that was actually really good. Like, and there's so much sew time. That's what drives costs on gear and equipment the most is hands-on time. Actual materials don't cost that much. Uh, even even your high-end stuff, uh, like we'll just say Tigris because everyone knows what Tigris is these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it's expensive, yeah. When you look at like a sheet of it compared to a sheet of Cordura. 
But when you cut that thing up and you start pricing it out by square inch, like you're going to do for a product, I mean, it's pennies on the, you know, pennies per square inch. Um, what it is is hands on time uh, for actually so for actual sew processes. So, yeah. And that's when you, what it, yeah, when you look at like how that shakes out in the market for like mantle as, as the example you use, right? Yeah. Like, if you're talking two two fifty for a combat top, like now you're in the discussion with Cry, who's mm-hmm. like uh, probably the name everybody knows about for combat tops and combat pants. Like they they make great stuff. They set a pretty pretty strong standard of you know uh, the the sew quality, uh, the kind of uh, materials they're using. And at that point, <clears throat> I know at least for me, somebody or, or anybody else, right, that comes in and goes, okay, well I need to buy a combat top or pants, both, whatever, the whole thing. Am I going to go with this company that I've not heard of before or this company everybody knows? Like brand recognition carries, so you have to give somebody, yeah. you have to give them a reason to even look at and consider this other mm-hmm. brand. So a lower price point, which that there's just unfortunately, you know, or fortunately, whatever, there's just yeah. a couple ways you can do that. And yeah. it is- Especially if you want to out- like outcompete those bigger companies with better fabrics, better sewing, uh, you know, more tech or features in your products. Like you got to find a way to sew it at a cheaper rate or manufacture it at a cheaper rate. And whether, and that's where like designing comes in. It's like, okay, we either take this overseas and make it exactly how we want, or your designer has to figure out how to have less steps in the process to make it. If you want to keep it us made, um, and so that's like the kind of stuff I deal with mostly is someone has this great idea for this product. Cool. Where do we, what's the price range we want to sell this at? Yeah. Okay. Now I can start designing you something because you know, that sets everything. Um, if, and the, there's been times where people are just like, just do what you want and it costs what it costs. And I'm like, okay. And uh, you know, those usually end up being really expensive. I do have one client that said that. And now I need to cut like 40% of the cost out because say, how often is, Yeah, how often is they they actually just say swing for the fences and then it actually works out. I mean, usually it doesn't. Like I'll give you the best product I can if you tell me there's no restrictions. But yeah, at the end of the day, and that's I think that's part of what people don't understand too, is from like a business perspective, is it you have to there's overhead to cover and everything costs mm-hmm. something. So when you're talking about you know, from a design standpoint, or even, you know, the materials, right. Which aren't always expensive, but even then can present some unique challenges. You know, I Kurt, uh, from Ralph Camo on uh, a mm-hmm. couple of weeks back and I didn't realize, and this is my relative ignorance that even just using multicam, you have to pay a licensing fee because there people own the multicam pattern, which yeah. I think it's cry actually, uh, they own that. So that's an additional cost per roll of fabric, you know, or whatever, whatever pattern it is, you know, that goes on top of it. So when you see these small companies that are doing really, really cool things, you know, uh, maybe it's a placard, right? And mm-hmm. they go, well, you can roll it out in uh, AOR one or two or Marpat or whatever. I mean, you know, whatever the, yeah. the Gucci camo pattern is and people don't realize like, well, some of that stuff's licensed and it's really expensive. Um, the AOR one or AOR two, whichever it is, is actually controlled by the military. So you can't get that unless they sell it secondhand. So then it's an extremely limited quantity also drives the price up. Mm -hmm. 
these are all things people don't, you know, so if you, Hey, if you want to build out a whole kit in AOR two, and you know, just the drip is all you care about. Like, cool, man, understand you're going to pay a shitload of money yeah. for the same gear. That's going to cost somebody else like 500 bucks. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's true. And to hit on that real quick, like the licensing, that's not like when I'm manufacturing slings for drop six, mm-hmm. I'm not paying for the multicam license. It's not like a separate check. I write the right, mill right. who weaves the fabric is the one paying it. And so they upcharge. So like the same mill could make me black webbing. And then mm-hmm. that same mill makes multicam webbing there. There's going to be a price difference, not because it's harder to make the multicam, but because there's your license fee. So yeah, it's baked into it, the cost. Yeah. It just kind of gets mixed in with the cost. Just so people listening to this kind of understand, like it's not like, uh, you know, companies are writing separate checks, like to, yeah. <laughs> to pay multicam. Or, yeah. But it's, yeah it's, it's part of the game. You know, you gotta, Yep, everyone's out to make the buck. Right. Um, and that's, you know, I really, I think, why it's so ridiculous some guys get so wound up in the camouflage game you know like mm-hmm. some i mean i get it you want it to work well on your biome it, biome and everything but mm-hmm. at the end of the day uh, a lot of the basic stuff that's out there will do you pretty well mm-hmm. uh better than most people i think want to admit i think you know I, i'm guilty of it i just want all my gear to match so if you, yeah. if you you know if you're really hung up on everything being m81 okay cool just understand that not every company is going to make m81 yeah, because everybody yeah. wants. So then you limit your options and things, mm-hmm. and it's part of the game you play. You know when you're getting into those things, um, and and kind of to, speaking of placards, because that's something else that I think a lot of people change out all the time for all sorts of different reasons. I don't really know why. I've had the same one for the last couple of years now from RDR Gear. Um, mm-hmm. I like what Jeff does over there. The MSP works really well for me. Um, that's another point where I just don't understand some of that stuff is that it, maybe, you know, off the top of your head, but, uh, stitch time on something like that. Cause all the pockets everybody wants and all the customization mm-hmm. is that where we see probably, I have to imagine that's probably where you see the most cost baked into that. Cause it's probably, it doesn't feel like it's a lot of material. Yeah. Yeah. So with placards, so placards is kind of twofold. You have your just, hands-on time is what's going to drive the cost, right? Like you might see a placard and it's like, well, that's looks like the same fabric as this placard, but mm-hmm. placard a might have stuff sewn into it, like extra stuff and extra layers. And that's where not just sew time, but hands-on time. So like if it's a really intricate design, like you have all these folds and things have to be sewn in a certain order that all takes time at manufacturing and it can make the cost go up, even though, the placard itself might just look really clean and simple. It mm-hmm. may not be that clean and simple to sew. Like there, there might actually be a lot of hands-on time um, in that, in that placard and people change them out because they're in that price range. That's, I mean, they're not cheap, but they're not expensive, you know? And so mm-hmm. you can kind of get into them. And then especially the modular ones, people are mixed matching pouches and stuff that goes in them inserts and uh yeah i think with placards that's one of those items where it's just like it's easy to do the flavor of the month because it's expensive enough but not you know not really (laughs) expensive enough to scratch the itch but not so expensive that you have to save for months to get it unless 
unless you're trying to go for the Haley micro or whatever. Cause that thing, I don't understand why it costs so much more than everybody else's, but well, well that's because it has so, so much stuff sewn into it. So the micro is, is ah, that's a perfect example. So it has all those extra cells on it, you know, um, I've never actually played with one. I, I just saw the cost and I was like, nope, that's prohibitive for me. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's got a lot of internal sewing and he's got external sewing going on. There's a lot of layers to making that. Um, and that's, that's why that is so expensive. Um, man, a really easy one uh, is like the speed belt, T-Rex speed belt. Mm-hmm. When that, when that dropped, people were like, oh my gosh, that is expensive. I think it was like 220 when it dropped or something, something like that. Yeah. And then now you can separate the inner and outer and get it uh, kind of cheaper. Uh, when it, so, so I designed that just so people know uh, when mm-hmm. I worked there. That, so this isn't just uh, uh, random speculation. You no, actually isn't have random speculation. Yeah. So all of the sewing of that belt is internal. Okay. And then I developed a sleeve system, which we had never seen anyone do in the gun industry. We've seen, I've seen it in some of the rigging industry, like uh, rock climbing and stuff. Uh, but I hadn't seen it in the gun industry and I made a sleeve. So every, all the internals are sewn together in, in separate layers to make it safe to actually like load up and, and all that and give you your rigidity. And then you have to take a sleeve and you sew it inside out. Then you have to pull that sleeve right side out and then you have to feed a belt into it. And, and basically it's a, it's a tight fit. So you have to kind of slinky it on the whole internals or Sounds what I like call it. A- it sounds like a gigantic pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, it is. I actually had to do like an hour and a half long video of how to make it because the manufacturer is like, we don't know how you made this. Like they just had no clue. <laughs> and so I had to do a, a video step by step of how I developed it. And you basically slide this sleeve over and then it's two stitches and it keeps it all together. But people see it and they're like, it's just a slick belt with some hook and stiffener inside. They don't yeah. realize how much time goes into that belt, right? Um, and uh, I mean, think what you will of T Rex, but I mean that that belt was—I'm not trying to toot my own horn—but that was a step forward in innovation for belts. But I don't think manufacturers are going to do it for a long time because it's so time-consuming. So until someone can come up with a better way to sleeve something um, and hide all the internal stuff probably not going to see another one of those, you know, I mean, it's cool to hear that though, because like that understanding that mm-hmm. it comes with that. And like, it's, I guess I use the word justification right behind the price point, And it starts mm-hmm. to make more sense. Cause when you, at least in my opinion, when you're looking at building out your kit, the first thing a lot of people go to is a belt, right? I got to carry a holster at least. Mm-hmm. And I got to carry some ammo and some med and things like that. But people get so like torqued up when they see some of these companies that, you know, they charge, like you said, 200, 250, $300, you know, like the, um, the Feral Bison belt, right. Mm-hmm. Or I know AWS does, does some pretty good belts. I've never used yeah. one personally, but I hear just amazing things, but they get so upset about the price. And it's like, well, what do you expect? You know, if you want to buy something off a mm-hmm. rack, you're going to get rack quality, um, which is typically not not very good and you want it to carry i mean what however many pounds of ammo and, <laughs> yeah, and a right. knife and all the other shit that you you think you, you need to have on you that you really don't so what are the like with that i mean it's nice to hear that there's an actual justification behind it but it's usually just because the build time 
that goes into that. Like I don't even from a belt perspective, right? When you guys were building the speed belt, is that something that that could in in all thought, right? Could be used for a full combat loadout. Probably not designed for it, but could it support most yeah, of the things? Actually, that that was kind of the design element of it was um, they wanted something super thin uh, with no molly on the outside. Uh, they wanted it to look slick, and but they also wanted it to be able to have pouches molly to it, but also hold all the weight of meds pistol mags you know spare okay. mags like See, they i thought it was to supposed to be a it. competition belt i just no. looking i was like oh that's got to be a comp belt that's way too slick to be you know a, a combat belt yeah and, and originally when i first started designing i was uh looking into having it fall fall arrest rated um which isn't fall arrest ratings you can only get in europe you can't there's none in the u.s they stopped doing it i think 80s or 90s um, they can only use harnesses for fall arrest in the U.S. now. Um, so think of like your mountain climbing uh, harnesses and stuff, like the mm-hmm. seats. They all yeah. get certified in Europe, not the U.S. But, we, you know, at the time I was designing that, I was looking into doing that because um, I was like, that would just be another selling point. But it was like $60,000 to get it certified. And you have to send uh, some every so often uh, to have tested and pay for the testing. And then uh, all your stitching has to be exposed on your main load lines. So since we were sleeving, it automatically disqualified it. Um, That being said, it is not load rated. So no one, it's not fall arrest rated. We ended up changing the design to where uh, the webbing doesn't go all the way. The one inch webbing doesn't go all the way around the belt anymore uh, because we couldn't get the rating anyways. Um, It's strong enough. You can tie stuff into it, but um yeah anyways <laughs> so there's that's, a, yeah. that's another thing right there is is uh let's say someone wants to get an actual certification on their product like cry does it quite a bit you know they'll actually go and get um you know certifications on their equipment and so that drives some of their price now cry does add a name tax you know a little bit mm-hmm. and uh i mean i'm not trying to pick on them but they'll come out with something I hate using the word innovative but they, they'll come out with something really creative, right? Sure. And then they'll sell that for five to seven years. They don't change, you know, and then they'll come out with something new again with all new materials, the latest and greatest. And then, uh, you know, people complain about the price and whatever. And then five, seven years, you know, uh, everyone's running that, you know, uh, when the JPC came out, people were hating on it. Cause they're like the rubber's sticky and it frays weird. And now everyone has JPCs, you know, <laughs> like talk about the, the stuff they use for their, uh, the rubber for like the shoulder straps and stuff. Yeah. They're using Hypalon when DuPont still made it. Now they use Hank, uh, because DuPont doesn't make it in the U S anymore. So to stay very compliant, they use uh, what's called Hank. Uh, another company makes it. So. so to so for clarification, when because we see, you know, I forget what it was that you and I were messaging about, and there was a post and said very compliant, and I, I forwarded it to you, and he came back and like just so you know, made in America doesn't mean very compliant or or something yep. like that. What what is very compliant? Because I feel like it's it's always leveraged if it is compliant yeah. as a selling point with products. Yeah. So very compliance is. It basically has to be a NATO ally um, on if it can't be manufactured in the U.S. It has to be a NATO ally 
um, not TAA, actually a NATO ally. And so the basis of Barry compliance to just break it down like to the simplest of terms is like everything has to be U.S. manufactured, not the sewing, but like your webbing has to be woven and dyed in the U.S. Uh, the fibers for are technically supposed to be like made for, in the U.S. Now, there's some things like uh, let's say a Cobra buckle because a lot of people know what a Cobra buckle is. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that's not made in America but it was amended into very compliance because it had such a high demand. And at the time it was the only buckle available to fit that, that niche, you know, of, yeah, for of our applications. Yeah. yeah. Now you have Raptor buckles uh, that are made in the U S I think NASA even has a contract with them. So now you have two options for buckles kind of for very compliance, but yeah, made in the U S um, like, Drop six. I have some products that are coming that, yes, they're made in the US, but they're not very <laughs> compliant because I want to play with, you know, newer fabrics and things that are coming out. And the US just doesn't doesn't really develop new tech in their fabrics and stuff. It's all in Europe and like the backpacking community and stuff. They're the ones developing lighter, stronger, faster, you know, type of stuff. So and is so there is there like an actual advantage to the whole berry compliant thing? Was it done for a certain reason or is it literally just to to help feed commerce and or, or ensure it some was, kind of build quality? It is completely a military thing. It is uh, the, the military for big military. So not like your small units just want to order stuff, but big military, everything's supposed to be very compliant. And the idea was if we got into another uh, world war and like, okay, we can't get webbing from the Philippines anymore because they're, you know, being blown up by the sure. commies. Well, <laughs> if we basically the idea was to establish manufacturing in the U.S. to supply the war machine with all U.S. made components, um, okay. with as much as possible. It is completely a military thing, so it's not necessarily something you have to shop for unless you're shopping for your unit, and you, and even then, you're going to use GSA or like an NSN. Um, which is basically a catalog or ordering system for the military and government. Um, so like if I wanted to get, let's say, let's say I, I design a belt and I want to try and get an NSN. So it's in the GSA catalog. So military units can order it. I need to make sure it's very compliant if I want right. to sell it to the U S now just getting an NSN is a, is a huge feat in itself. You have to know people who know people and it's a whole thing. Like I haven't successfully done it myself. Um, it's a big, big ordeal. Um, and typically it comes with big numbers, uh, to be able to supply. Like you have to be able to say, yes, I can give you five thousands of 5,000 of these a month, you know, type of deal. Those kind of numbers. Yeah. Um, it, and sometimes that gets you the qualification. Sometimes it's like on smaller things, they don't really care. So is, so I try to shoot for made in America. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, if you see a plate carrier or whatever item you're looking at, let's you're looking at one or the other one's Barry and one is just us made. Like they don't proclaim Barry compliant. It's not a big deal as for you as the consumer. It may be that they're using a fabric from Europe, so they can't claim uh, very compliant, you know. Yeah, so it's not going to be. It's not like the the compliant the very compliant component itself guarantees quality. It just means that the materials yeah. were sourced from. Okay, 
So, and that that's helpful because I think that <clears throat> we talk a lot about uh, I don't want to say like military grade because I think that term is used improperly by the media all the time. So everyone just cringes. But when you yeah. look at like clothing um, and there's reasons why military military grade like clothing or uniforms and battle tops and things are advantageous as a civilian. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at assuming that Barry compliant means military grade, it's not always a guarantee of build quality. It just. No. I'm following you right here, right? The, yeah. this, it just means that the materials were sourced from NATO allies. Yeah, it, yeah. well, it's supposed to be U.S., and then if you can't source it in the U.S., it's supposed to be a NATO okay. ally type of deal. And you have to get approval uh, to to get amended into the Barry uh, system. Like, they have a list of stuff. And, okay. uh, yeah, but it just means source the... The easiest way to explain it, sourced and uh, manufactured in the U.S. So. Okay, yeah, I did not. <laughs> I had that all twisted then because I, uh, <laughs> I, I honestly, I thought that it meant that it was, I don't know, that it meant like some kind of military standard for something, um, no, yeah. quality control standpoint. No, and, and companies that worry about very compliance are typically trying to get military contracts. So that's why they'll advertise, hey, this is very compliant. Because, like, let's say you're just a small unit or uh, not even a small unit. Like, you're just an individual in the military and you buy your own equipment, which happens pretty often because what gets issued isn't always that great. So, you'll buy your own stuff. Um, A lot of times, military guys will look for very compliant stuff. um, And then they can try and get their unit to buy it. And then it gets to a certain level where it's like, okay, this has to be an army purchase. So it has to have an NSN. So then that company will try and get their product approved for an NSN and get in GSA and all that. So, yeah. And I don't know the full ins and outs of like uh, the GSA accounts. No, I mean, it's, NSN numbers. It, it's, it's, it's a government process. Of course it's not, yeah. uh, it's not going to be simple or convenient or otherwise easy. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I guess that it kind of makes sense. You know, you're talking about where you're going to spend government money. Mm. Although I would argue that you're spending even more money on that process uh, with the, probably the number of hands it has to go through and everyone's got to get paid. Um, and yeah. and maybe that, you know, to, to another point is why some of the stuff costs as much as it does when you, when you look at the deal as a whole and mm. what things, you know, price tag turns out to be, because again, uh, we talk about it. Honestly, we talk about this more. So I want to say with like, like flashlights and suppressors and stuff like that. I always use Surefire as an example, but when these companies win those government contracts and they sell, I don't know, the X300 to the military for, I don't know, $300, whatever. It is then illegal for them to sell it to the civilian yeah. market at a lower price. And the same goes with all the other gear too, you know? And yeah those companies are there to make money. So uh, I don't want to keep like, I don't, I don't want to throw cry out there again, but you know, London bridge or cry or any mm-hmm. of these companies that have, you know, long relationships with the military. That's why their gear always costs so damn much. Yeah. And it's, it's well-made, you know, the, the time on it is, is, is up there like we were saying, but uh, you definitely are paying for probably in most cases, a better product. Um, and that's why the price tag is so high. You can be like, LBTs, I'm glad you brought them up because I actually run a couple of their carriers. I actually really like them. Their sewing sucks. It is super ugly. They leave tags everywhere. I, mean, like just- I actually think that the carrier itself is ugly as shit. My brother has, 
He has their LB, the LBX one, um, the Armitage. Oh, okay. Um, so LBX is their overseas made. <clears throat> Uh, I like that carrier. I, I don't know why he bought it. I think a buddy told him like, Hey man, Chris Costa helped uh, design mm-hmm. this. So yep, I, it's actually not a bad carrier other than for whatever reason, they went with like those proprietary, uh, proprietary three quarter inch, like chasm clips. And everybody yeah. here uses like one inch. So no placards other than theirs work with this thing, unless you rip it open and resew it yourself, which yep. it's kind of a big ordeal. Yeah, and LBT, their US made stuff is the same way. They always use three quarter or use G hooks. So um, that's so but, weird. Yeah. They're they're more recent stuff. Like uh let's see, I have their V three carrier, and they're supposed to have a V four anytime now, but their V three, um, it actually does have provisions for one inch clips, but it doesn't come with them. It comes with their three quarters, uh, but you can fit one inch on it uh, without cutting it open. Um, so at least they're okay. like starting to be like, okay, we get it. Like you want to run someone else's placard, but that they're a prime example of their price range, you know, like $500 for that V3. I got, I didn't pay that. I would never pay that. Like the way That's it's sewn, a lot, uh, the way it's sewn <clears throat> and stuff, it's just, you can tell it was done as quick as possible in the U S just so they can claim that. I mean, it is actually pretty bad. Is it, sewn in a way that's going to hold up and for a long time yes it is structurally sound but it it's mm-hmm. like come on guys like you could have cleaned this up a little bit but uh with lbt they do sales all the time that's when i buy their stuff because i got that carrier for 250 and it came with a free placard that's not you that know? bad when you consider the placard usually 100 bucks on its own and you're looking yeah. at 150 which is what like a, a ferro slickster or an ac1 mm-hmm. or insert generic slick carrier those yeah. usually they all run around 150 bucks so that's <clears throat> when you put it in that in that kind of uh price bracket that's really not that bad then it, exactly so that's when it comes to like lbt um when i look at their plate carriers i'm just gonna say plate carriers because that's i have two of them and that's kind of mm-hmm. what i have the numbers in my head but i don't think they're worth their msrp but i think they're worth their sale price which like that one that you see them go on sale for like 250 to like 300, but they'll usually throw something free in. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, at that price, I don't mind some of the crap sewing. You know, it's, it's, it's not crap in the sense of it's going to fall apart. I should re- rephrase that. It's ugly sewing and you can tell it was done like yeah. quickly and without care. It just, it doesn't live up to their reputation. So everyone, I feel like they're very high regarded, you know, yeah, and, uh, Mostly in like the Navy and the SEALs, you know, they're always like, oh, LBT bags, LBT, because they were one of the first. They want the mass gray, and that's the only company that has it. Yeah, and other companies can get it. Um, I looked into this because I wanted to do some mass gray stuff, and it's not that they own rights to mass gray. It's that the mills have a uh, MOQ, you know, minimum order quantity, and it's super high for mass gray. I think LBT influenced that. It was it was something obnoxious. Like I wanted some mass gray cordura, and they're like, "Yeah, we can do it, but you have to order a thousand yards." And I was like, "What am Damn, I going to do with a thousand yards?" <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, because okay, I mean, because you brought up like GBRS earlier, and when GBRS mm-hmm. was was coming out and telling everybody about their gear and why they like the you know mass gray and their time in the seals and everything, it there was like a solid 
probably six months there where everybody wanted to try and find, you know, whatever they could Mm -hmm. in that colorway. And so everyone basically figured out really, really quickly, like LBT is basically the only name in the game. And Mm -hmm. if you find anything else, it's a sprint run of it. So it's going to be super expensive and it kind of just the availability of it. It was, you know, super unobtainium. So it kind of died off. Yeah. And I was, they didn't own it. I thought they owned the rights to it or something. No, no. I think they influence the mills that make it with how much they order. And, and so like, um, so I originally was looking into masquerade. I think it was like 2017 or 18 when I first started my first company making gear. Um, I was looking into masquerade for like slings and uh, pouches and stuff. And I just, I couldn't find, I was that guy like, well, LBT seems to be the only ones that have it. And then these other companies have it every once in a while, but it's like, three times the price of multicam. Like I couldn't get it. And yeah. then it wasn't until probably 2019 or 20. It was before uh, pandemic. It was before yeah. that. Before um, the dark times. <laughs> yeah. I got a hold of a, an actual manufacturer and they're like, oh yeah, like you can order. It. It's just going to be this much. And it was like, that's obnoxious. And so that's yeah. why, yeah, when Masquerade does come out of other companies, it's because they bought in. And they bought in a lot. And uh, so they're going to mark it up to, you know, make their money back. So, I mean, even colors can affect it. But, um, yeah. It, it, it's, and then, so you, let's say like multicam, like, yes, it costs a little more because of the licensing. But it's so popular that the that the mills or like a company like MMI that sells. So there's the mills and then a company like MMI who will cut it to length and stuff and sell it to manufacturers. Um multi-cam or like ranger green is so popular okay. like yeah sure you know we'll cut a hundred yard roll or you know a 50 yard roll of webbing instead of uh you need ten thousand yards you know um they're willing to cut it up because they know it's going to sell masquerade is always like a it, it comes in waves of when it's popular and so, Which and is, so yeah, usually driven by social media nerds that exactly you know, got to buy the gear because it was in the cool video that they saw i mean i I like it. I think it looks sharp. You know, it's like yeah. that green gray mix that kind of fits in with, you know, if you're in like a, I guess a maritime environment, which is probably why the, the seals really liked it. And, mm-hmm. I, but past that, like, would it work where I live? Mm, probably not. <laughs> so <laughs> probably it, it does choice. work pretty good in urban environments. It kind of goes with concrete. So if you're around like more buildings than I guess houses, it does actually work pretty well. It also uh, camos with Ranger Green very well. Um, a lot of people when when I uh, wear like a Ranger Green top with my mask gray carrier, a lot of people think I'm wearing a Ranger Green carrier. They're like, it looks a little off, but they think like they're like, oh, where'd you get that carrier? You know that Ranger Green. But then if I put like a black top or let's say a tan top, the mask gray kind of changes to the eye's perception of what it is like it looks super gray on a black top on a tan top it looks kind of tan it's so it's actually kind of a cool color because it it tricks your eye yeah so to match other colors so and because you kind of brought that up the comparison there like some of the i feel like one of the problems that some people run into and it bothers us just because we spent money on it, right? Is like the yeah. different shades of Ranger Green or the different shades of brown that we yes. run into and stuff. 
is there a reason why that happens? Like did somebody get the cheap stuff for, for one thing and not for the other or something, or is it literally just come down to like the runs of the fabric, how they were dyed and imperfections there? Cause you, I mean, you'll, you'll buy, you know, a Ranger green placard and a Ranger green carrier and a Ranger green belt from three different companies. Right. And you put them together and it's like, well, this shit doesn't match. You know, one's yeah. super bright and one's super dark. And the other one looks like it could be, you know, mass gray. So a lot of that is actually the material itself and how it reacts to the dye. So there's only like, I can't remember all the names of them, but there's three to five mills. That's it in the U S that do for everything. Jesus. For all of our tactical like webbing and, you know, uh, Cordura and all that stuff. There's a little more that do Cordura, but webbing's a really good example of where you see this on Ranger green. Um, or your tans and coyotes. So, Ranger, so what you're saying is once one of these random unexplained incidences that burns down a plant, when it starts to hit these uh, mills, we're totally screwed. Yeah. <laughs> but so you have two factors. One, we'll go back to solution died and peace died. So solution died, remember that they, they're going to die all the fibers before they weave it into a material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So piece dye, they're going to do it after it's made into that webbing or material. That's really easy to spot. If you kind of bend the fabric or the webbing, it'll look almost gray or white in between, like where the weaves are. You'll yeah. actually be able to see it's like a, a gray white color. If you see that, you know it's it's piece dyed. I work with it enough, I can just grab the webbing with my eyes closed and kind of tell you like that's piece dyed. That solution died because they feel different too. Okay. Um, now, then there's different weaving patterns. So, like uh, with with webbing for like slings and belts, uh, your one inch stuff. There's two main webbings. There's one seven three three seven, and there's uh, five five three zero one. Those are your two main webbings uh, for one inch stuff. The five five three zero one is a higher rated. It's a tighter weave, and it can handle more weight. Um, it's a stiffer webbing. So the, even though it's solution dyed, when they go and weave it all together, it's much tighter. So all that fiber is, is closer together. And so you're going to see more of the blues and, and that are in that ranger green. You're going to see that on that. Where if you take a 17337, um, it's not as tight as a, a, a weave. And so there's more spacing and you're going to see more of a green than a blue in, in the ranger green. And then Cordura, I mean, that's a, that is a nylon blend, just like the webbing, but it's right. much thinner fibers being woven together. And so it'll actually shine differently. And the part of that is the, uh, the coating they're putting on the back. And then if it's DWR treated, it can look even different. So that's how you're getting all these variations in Ranger Green. Um, and a lot of people mix up OD Green with Ranger Green. OD Green is actually a very bright, like, almost neon green well it's It's more of like a green green olive you'd find a martini that's (laughs) that's od olive drab so yeah versus ranger and okay maybe maybe i'm just an idiot maybe that's why i have some of the issues i do then because i thought that it was just the same thing honestly i thought it was just (laughs) the same thing no od is a is a much brighter much uh if you look at photos of Alice packs, like Vietnam era, all the way up into, I mean, people still use oh, okay. Alice packs. Yeah. yeah. That's OD green. 
And that webbing, you'll see it in photos. That was all piece dyed. When you buy OD green webbing, it's very hard to find solution dyed. They still make it the old school way because people do reproductions and like replicas. And so they want the original piece dyed, which fades out really quick. But that fabric they're using, that it's like a pack cloth type of material that they're using. So that's OD and so is that webbing. But when it's dyed, it comes out differently because of the actual weave of the fabric. And so on your like Alice packs, you'll see it looks kind of dark and you're like, yeah, I want that green. But that was specific to that pack cloth that they were using. If you look at the webbing, it's much brighter and like, uh, like an olive in a martini. And, uh, and that's actually what you'll usually get when you order OD green. I feel like we're starting to see that kind of go away. I feel like now mm-hmm. maybe it's like the internet fad stuff. So Ranger greens, where everybody wants and goes to, but um, cause now that I'm thinking about it, like, I know you used to be able to order a lot of stuff and the drop down would have like tan or khaki and then like coyote and then flat, dark earth and OG green and ranger green. You used to have like, you know, 12 options. And now we're kind of seeing it kind of shrink down to like, you know, coyote, ranger green, black, gray, and multicam like those five or whatever. And that's pretty much it. You know, sometimes yeah. black multicam. And it's probably just to save, it's a cost saving measure, you know, um, it is. Yeah. Spare inventory. Nobody wants to buy like multicam, uh, arid or something. We only have like three desert States in the country and it just doesn't sell as well. I, you know, it's probably more uh, applicable than just those three States, but that's one of the reasons why I I go with Ranger green is there's a lot of green here in Michigan. We got a lot of trees Mm -hmm. and everything. It works well. I think it, Personally, I just think it's the best color, you know, all around application and stuff. Um, I know a lot of guys will hear that right now and probably want to message me and tell me why I'm wrong. Um, but that's my opinion and I'm sticking with yeah. it. I don't give a shit. Yeah. No, everyone's got an opinion and, and uh, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing, man. Just, just pick what you, you know, you think and just run with it, man. And then like over experiences with running it, you'll, you'll find like, okay, maybe I should try this pattern or, Hey, maybe I should try this pouch to upgrade whatever. But yeah, I think the whole, just trying to tie it all back into like why people switch kit out so much and stuff. It's very similar with like the camo patterns, you know, and I think a lot of it does come down to people just want their stuff to match. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but I am of the same mindset of you is like, if it works for you, just, just, run it like i don't care like i don't care what you look like (laughs) yeah i mean you know if if you buy as long as you buy from a reputable company and i mean how do you even know what's reputable anymore but you look around on the internet you know unfortunately you kind of have to do some some digging and just okay a lot of guys run this a lot of guys run that you can talk to some people um source from some folks find some information um you're probably going to be okay Right. For most civilian applications, probably going to be okay. Um, I don't want to go back and just say that, you know, don't buy anything off Amazon because I know Amazon does carry a couple things you can buy mm-hmm. reliably, like the, like the Kiwi pouches or, or Kiwi or whatever from, from Astec, yeah. however the hell you pronounce it. Those are fine. You know, and Blue, Blue Force Gear has some stuff on there. But by and large, everything else you see on there from weirdly named companies like, Crydex or like Emerson gear or, and it's all one word, right. Or, you know, something that is 
not even vaguely. Uh, it's completely Chinese, um, and it's an obvious ripoff of uh, a JPC or mm-hmm. a Slickster or a Thorax, yeah. whatever. Um, probably going to have some of those issues you were talking about, right, with poor materials and yeah, yeah, with those cool. ones, especially when they're like this is thirty dollars, but you know that the what they're cloning is like three, four hundred dollars. They're absolutely using cheaper labor for one, you know, but they're also going to use cheaper materials and things like that. And some countries can't even get uh, some of the materials we use. Uh, I'm working on a project right now, um, and the the company decided they wanted to take some stuff overseas, and they just can't get a very specific material that I need them to put into the product. And so we're actually purchasing it and sending it to them so they can import it. So you also have those issues too. So that's going to raise the price there because it's basically being paid for twice in essence because of the taxes to import or export it to that country uh, so that they can use it in the products we need. So, I mean, uh, I think sometimes you can get lucky with some of the, um, less, uh, I don't what's the word for it? Like less, uh, impactful gear, I guess that's a really bad way of saying it, but like some of the pouches, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a, if it's a dump pouch, okay, maybe you can get away mm-hmm. with a cheap imitation or maybe, and I hesitate to say this, but like some of your med, like your med pouch or something, like maybe mm-hmm. you can get away with that. Um, but the problem I have with a lot of that is like, they're usually direct copies of american made products like um whatever the because i run i run whatever the is the med one the t-rex pouch the med one pouch i think that's what it's called so yeah Yeah. i think so that's like i was i was waiting for them to come back in stock and it's like i probably said to my wife hey i'm waiting for this t-rex pouch to come in because then like magic it's like recommended for me on amazon and it's like 20 bucks and it's, it, it looks exactly the same. And you just look at the review section and it's like, nope, seam ripped, zipper pulled out, you know, it's all kinds of like stupid stuff where clearly yeah. the quality is, is not there. It looks exactly the same mostly. Right. Um, and, and, you know, that's the problem because when companies lose money like that, then that really, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure anyways, like the direct correlation there is that then American companies have to cover that, you know, cover uh, their bottom line. So then if they're not selling the products, the costs go up or they go out of business and that kills innovation. Yeah. And, and then you, so there's that. So, so I guess to close up the door on the Amazon stuff uh, (laughs) is I'd only purchase that stuff. If you are interested in designing gear or you really like modifying your gear, then sure, why not get an eBay special, Amazon special plate carrier, and then beef it up to the spec that you want. Unfortunately, there's not too many people that actually do that or have the skills. Um, and so I would say just stay away from it because uh, we're not at war within our own country right this second where you need a plate carrier and you need a battle belt and the latest, coolest stuff, right? You have time as of right now to save and just get quality stuff, you know, like you don't need that stuff to be an asset to society. Um, Cause we're not getting in gunfights every day that you need to put care, <laughs> you know? So yeah. if yeah. you want to tinker around or you want to see like how something's made, I think that's when the Amazon things are great because you buy it for 20 bucks and then you blow it apart to see how they sewed it. 
you know, if you're, if you want to learn that stuff and, and just see how things are made and cut up materials, I think they're good for that. I, but I don't think they're good to actually run, especially when you have time to save um, for quality stuff. So, but yeah, it's going to, it's going to hold up. You're going to get, I mean, really. Um, and that's, and you know that it's true. It's not just people in the industry blowing smoke because you can see it. You go on YouTube, you find these guys that are like special operations veterans and stuff. And they'll, they still have and still run the gear that they deployed with. And yeah. it's because they, you know, now granted some of it, they probably didn't pay for, they were issued. I would say they paid for it in other ways, not monetarily, yeah. uh, you know, uh, but you know, like I, I'll never forget the first time I watched like, uh, uh, a field craft video, Mike Glover. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about his belt um, or the same thing with the guy from what's his name? Uh, Carl tactical rifleman. Yeah. And the belts these guys put on look like they're like gen one that like that gen one condor style. I don't, they're not condor, yeah. but they, they, that fat battle belt or even um, it's been a while. It was an older video. Kyle lamb did one look the, exactly mm -hmm. the same, you know? And I'm like, wow, how fucking old is that damn thing? And it, it's fine. You don't see shit hanging off of it, like like loose threads and, and blown stitches and things yeah. like that. Uh, and it holds up and guys just, then they just go, well, it's not had any issues, so I haven't changed it. Yep. It's like, all right, I, that's that's perfect. There you go. You know it. You know how it works. You know it's reliable for how you use it. This stuff will last. And it goes back to what you're saying, you know, civilians just, we get bored. We, we get do. really bored and we need yeah. something to spend money on for no good reason. It's, it's absolutely true. And I mean, that's, that's a good example. Like we've kind of, I call it the new generation of shooters when I talk to people, yeah. but like the current, like IG drip, I gotta have all, you know, all the cool stuff. None of those, I feel like none of those people have ever had like things handed down from like their grandfathers and things like that. And it ties into the gear. It's like, get, get what you think is right and just run it till it, it is in the dirt, you know? And, uh, I think we've kind of lost that because we do, we just get so bored. It's an instant gratification world on our cell phones. Now we can order whatever we want off the phone, you know, uh, instantly. Yeah. If you got the money in the bank, you know you can order whatever you want on here. Uh, you guilty. know, and I so guilty. I, yeah, I, I, me, me too. It, I do it too. You know, I yeah, and uh, yeah, with gear though, like I'll have the same gear for a while uh, because I'm trying to practice what I preach. Right, like just mm -hmm. get invest in good gear and just run it till it's in the ground. And, but, you know, then I'll get questions like, well, what do you recommend for plate carrier? And I'd be like, well, this is what I run. They're like, yeah, but you're running that last year. You still like it? Like, yeah. I, yeah, I haven't I changed invested <laughs> money into it, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's, and I, I feel, I almost feel bad sometimes when I get some of those questions. Guys are like, what do you recommend for a mag pouch? I'm like, the Aztec Kiwis. Oh, have you used anything else? Like, no. <laughs> like yeah, well really i go like yeah i've had them for like five years or six years and they're absolutely fine there's not a mm -hmm. problem with them you know like i'll, I'll throw out like the hsgi tacos just because i see a lot mm -hmm. of dudes like them i'm like you could try those if you're looking for something else if you don't like yeah. what if you don't like the recommendation i gave you i guess but i i it doesn't you know the 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 kiwi that are set up that i have right now has been on three different battle belts across six years um 
and not one single problem with it. Absolutely outstanding, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. And it's that good. I mean, I, I probably have a little more gear than most people because I started getting those questions. I was like, well, I kind of wonder how that pouch is or that belt is. So sometimes I'll reach, I'll go out and just buy stuff because I get enough questions on it. Um, <laughs> and I'll, play with it, test it, you know, but it's not my main rig. Like that's a separate, it's its own separate thing. I'll test it out. And then usually I sell it or give it away to people that need stuff. Um, and then that's how I can answer questions. Next time I get asked, like, what'd you think of this? Well, okay. Well, my experience when I had it, you know, um, but that's kind of just my own. I, if, if I have the means to kind of help people, like guide them to the right gear for their specific needs than I will, you know, but like, if I don't know the answer, I just say, I don't know, but my main kit hasn't really changed in the last probably two, three years. And a lot of it was prototypes back then. And now the stuff's, you know, for sale, you know, um, sure. But it really hasn't changed. Like the main setup, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think we've just kind of lost that with this new generation of you got to have the coolest, latest stuff. So, well, and I, yeah, I don't know if we'll ever kind of get away from it, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it does create a fairly robust secondhand market, which uh, if does. there is a positive to be, to be seen from that, right. It's that it makes it easier for more people and new shooters alike to, to gain entry, get access to some of that um, higher quality gear, you know, if stuff's gently used or even a little bit roughly used, you know, if it's made well, that really won't make a, a big difference, especially with stuff that's not, uh, I'll say it's not designed to be specifically used ultra hard, you know, used, yes, but you can get like, you know, pouches, backpacks and stuff like it's going to stand up. It's not like you're running over with a car every day. So, yeah. it's you know, four or five years old and it's been abused a little bit but it's still in good shape then by all means you probably get a really good deal on it and i know during uh the the lockdowns that was what a lot of people were were looking for because you couldn't you know ordering was slowed down companies couldn't make stuff it just it's what you had access to so maybe maybe we see more of that people looking more to the secondhand market um you know or i know guys are even developing look at what you know spiritus is doing with that whole modification thing for the taps kit like, mm-hmm. hey, we still have a ton of these TAPS rigs laying around that nobody wanted. And then all of a sudden, well, not nobody, but a lot of people don't want it. Yeah. Uh, and now here, let's let's modernize it. Let's make, you know, let's make something out of this. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I really like that that project and idea that Spirit has had. I was like, that that's cool because mill surplus, pick up, you know, a TAPS uh, rig and then just get their kit and boom. I mean, you got something there solid. You go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like things like that. And that's kind of why I brought up the, uh, if you are going to buy Amazon, like it's, I would buy it so that you're going to mod it, you know, and try and make it cool or better or something. Um, yeah. It's like the one way to make buying one of those old condor rigs, uh, acceptable is if you're going to sell the spiritus parts that are better on it. Yeah. Yeah. And like condor, I mean, a lot of people, uh, bag on condor, but I've seen them make a lot of quality stuff. Um, their new it's belts a, are actually pretty, pretty decent for the money. I, I got yeah. my, my dad doesn't and listen it, to this podcast, so I don't have a problem saying it, but he's getting one for father's day. He just doesn't know it yet. They're not bad. They're really not. Well, their rifle bags are pretty solid. Their belts have always been pretty solid. Yeah. They did some 
cheesy kind of LBEs that kind of gave him a bad name. And they had a couple backpacks yeah. that fell apart. But I mean, honestly, man, like their quality isn't that bad. It's just that it's, I'm pretty sure it's a Chinese owned company, but their stuff's made in Vietnam and the Philippines. I mean, at mm-hmm. least it's not China. Maybe the company's ran by Chinese, but, um, <clears throat> but like Taylor Raid, I don't know if you ever heard of them. No. Um, they, they, they'll pick a, I send quite a few people to them because I'll get hit up with, oh, you so, could you modify this for me? And it's like, I can, but I'm going to charge you designer rates and you're not going to like it. Yeah. I don't have time to be just doing people's side projects. So, you know, I'll just charge my full rates and I haven't had a single person that just wanted a modified helmet cover or a modified chest rig. I haven't had a single one go, okay, I'll pay your designer rates. You know? Yeah. Um, but I usually send them to Taylor Raid. So Taylor Raid, what they do is they'll take stuff like, um, and I talked to the owner man, a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, basically what he would do is like people that couldn't afford it, like they're like, all I can afford is a condor. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he would take the condor and then beef it up. So it would be kind of like your more name brand US made stuff and like so they would upgrade some of the wedding or webbing or the stress points they would put bar tacks in and things like that and they just do little mods uh to your cheaper gear and make it uh you know more sustainable and longer lasting that's a pretty and good they, option that's a pretty cool yeah. option actually yeah and they don't always take on uh new people like he's the way he's got it networked is they have multiple sewers in different parts of the states and you can you know you send it to whoever's available if they have someone available and they mod your stuff for it. They I talked to the owner because he wanted me to kind of get in on their program. Like people could send me stuff. Sure. Um, sure. And I didn't I didn't want to do that. Um because I'm mostly because I'm too busy. Um but uh that is a good option as well so like maybe all you can afford is a condor and you absolutely think you need a plate carrier going back to we're in fantasy world right but if you absolutely need a plate carrier um then you could always go that route and then find an alteration shop or tailor raid someone like that who could go in and knows what they're doing and beef up the stress points and things like that where I see that is maybe security guards or maybe you just got a job uh, like armored truck and you need a oh, yeah. here for work, but you haven't got your paycheck yet. You know, all you have is your savings and you're like, I just need something now for work. Yeah. And I sure. as somebody who used to work in bank branches and seeing those guys come in every week and, and knowing the tactical space, just looking at some yeah. of the stuff, I was like, uh, yeah, oh, bro. But, <laughs> but maybe that's the job you get, you know, and you don't have the funds yeah. for, let's say, a cry, you know. So go ahead, go get that condor, but then spend the next hundred bucks extra, you know, that you saved, and and go ahead and put it into beefing that up a little bit. Um, that's, I think that's where that kind of comes into play, like the alterations or like getting the Amazon special and knowing what you're doing. Um, it. I should say, I guess those are the people I understand like looking for, like they just need a cheap plate carrier Mm -hmm. right now is they just got a job that requires it. And maybe they don't have the funds. Anyone else like (laughs) you and I like just save for it. Like, you don't, you know, you don't need it for your job. So just save for quality. Absolutely. Well, Derek, man, dude, thank you. Um, 
for for carving out the time i know you got a ton yeah. going on um it's just it's i i think it's helpful you know because that's when, when guys are getting in that's i know the sticker shock is the first thing i had to overcome was mm-hmm. everything from optics to flash like everything i just yeah. moved like just bought a house i had like no money and i started getting into guns and gear and i'm like man i don't got money for this so it's <laughs> you know it takes some coping you know um but i you know as i've learned more i kind of start to understand and i mean you don't want to kick my own ass for wasting money when i did but it, it there's justification and explanation behind all of it and why it is worth waiting those three paychecks or three months or half a year or whatever depending on what you make and what you want um it's gonna last you're not gonna have yeah. to change it. and in that time you can do your research to figure out which color or pattern works so you don't buy it and then immediately hate it because your friends all run gray and you bought green or whatever i mean whatever your problem is right um so the information is incredibly helpful man i you know i'm I'm sure you're gonna help a bunch of people figure this out i hope anyways uh Mm -hmm. and and save some money um if people have questions you know if they want to reach out if they you know want to see what you're doing with drop six where can they uh where can they find you yeah so i try to answer all questions so if it's like gear related and stuff typically on my personal uh, Instagram is where I'll answer questions like that. Uh, I try to keep the business uh, Instagram just business. So if it's related to a Drop Six product, they can find me at Drop Six. So it'll be D R O P the number six underscore. That's on Instagram. Um, and then for my personal, it's just Derek dot Really easy to find. If I'm yeah. still not shadow banned, <laughs> but uh, that one I'll answer whatever question you have when I have time. I will answer the questions um, as long as they're not, you know, obscene type stuff. Sometimes I'll just give you a thumbs up or a nod, or sometimes I give you a block. You know, so, Ooh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then uh, yeah, and then if it's if it's uh, you know questions for like drop six products and things like that, or maybe you're interested in like working with me, things like that, it would just be team at dropsix.com. Awesome, man. Well, I, like I said, I appreciate it. Um, I, I'm in constantly in awe of the stuff that you do. Um, I wish I understood, understood it the way you do. I, I just, I don't. Um, so it's good to have you on, man. I'm always happy when we get to connect and everything. Uh, like I said, thank you so much and, uh, stay safe out there, man. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me on and no problem, man. So like I said, great conversation with Derek always, always happy to be able to connect with him, uh, pick his brain and, and, and really just absorb as much knowledge as he's, uh, as he's willing to put out. Uh, he's very smart, some very smart dude, um, and very knowledgeable in the, the nylon and gear space. And, um, you know, obviously that's extremely valuable when you're looking to try and learn and, and, and really just get a better grasp on anything from functionality to cost to durability, all kinds of good stuff. And it's actually, crazy to think, you know, it's been almost a year since, since Derek was on, it was episode 122. I, I had to look it up. Uh, cause I was like, you know, it's been, it's been a hot second. It's been longer than it probably feels like it has. It was July of last, uh, last year and we're, you know, pushing into May. So a good, a good 10 months. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in, in touch with Derek all the time. He's a great dude and, and, you know, answers all my goofy questions and, uh, he entertains all of my ignorance. So, uh, I, I hope you guys were able to to learn some stuff and maybe just some understanding. You know, we got into all sorts of stuff in there. Um, 
you know, the OD green versus Ranger green bit and all that stuff and how the, the different materials and fabrics, uh, you know, kind of come into play in the market. I think it's, I mean, me personally, I think it's fascinating stuff. Uh, for as much money as we all spend on gear, it is kind of cool to understand why things cost what they do and, and, you know, some of the nuance that goes into making some of this gear that we don't, we don't see because we don't know to look for it. Um, so can't say enough how happy I am to be able to have uh, Derek on to, to have that discussion. And like, a, you know, always, this is done, you know, from a, uh, pretty much a, a purely educational standpoint for me, um, which I'm happy to then obviously share with all of you so that you can all learn with me. Um, super, super blessed to be able to have these connections and, and you know, do all this. Uh, appreciate you guys all for sticking around and, and listening uh, to my discussion with Derek and now obviously the kind of after action notes of everything that we went through. Uh, I really do hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, you know, let your friends know, uh, let your family know, kind of help get the word out. You know, as we increase... Um, as we increase following here and increase numbers here, metrics like that, it helps with things, uh, for us, you know, helps us grow, do more. Um, you know, eventually it would be great to some, some time in the future here, uh, break out of just the podcast space and do, uh, more content, do even more. You know, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod, but it'd be great to, you know, kind of be able to, uh, detour, from just the podcast and and be able to launch into phase two or phase three, whatever we want to call it, right, of uh, prepared mindset and and be able to jump into some of those things. So all the support, you guys, really, really cannot say enough how much we appreciate it and how much it helps all of us. And I hope that in turn, you know, in, in exchange for your support, right, you're, you're getting good information and you're enjoying what we're doing here. I've got another couple couple weeks coming up here of just awesome guests. I'm super excited to sit down and have discussions with. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, like I said, especially the next two weeks here should be really really good stuff. Uh, very very happy to get those uh, rolling and bring them out to you. But that's all I got for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for sticking around and hanging out with us, checking out this episode. Until next week, you guys get out there, hit the range, and like we always say here at the Prepared Mindset, work hard train smarter and be prepared. <laughs>